0: Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27, says, Now when he got into a boat, if you'd like to stand for the reading of God's word. Now when he got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea. And we know from the context here that this is a reference to the Sea of Galilee. So that the boat was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We are perishing. But he said unto them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are and praise you for all you have done for us through the gift of your precious Son, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for his life, his obedience unto death. We thank you, God, for raising him from the dead and that he's alive right here now. Among us in this church. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us a strong sense of your presence this morning as you already have. And we thank you for your word. And God, we just pray that your Holy Spirit would apply your words to our life this morning. Comfort us, Lord, where we need comforting. Challenge us where we need challenging. And God, we just uh, pray that you would touch our lives in a special way through the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a uh, sobering thought to me this morning to consider that before this day is over, any of us could be hit with an adversity that could turn our lives completely upside down. Uh, We could face something that could potentially send us into a state of panic, shock, and desperation. Due to the fall of mankind in the beginning, we are born into an unpredictable, unsafe, and insecure world. Uh, this time uh, last, uh, last week, last weekend, uh, we heard the, the shocking and heartbreaking news of 22 people who went shopping at a Walmart and expected to go home you know at the uh, end of the day and resume life as usual but it didn't happen they were their lives were tragically cut short by a disgruntled gunman and only 13 hours later in Dayton Ohio uh, a, a twisted gunman took the lives of nine More people, how tragic, how uh, heartbreaking, how grieving uh, to, uh, to hear such news as that. And these are just two of the latest reminders of how scary the world really is. And it's getting scarier and more dangerous by the day. We used to think that the chances of something like that happening to us were very remote. You know, that doesn't happen here. That happens somewhere else. But we know those days are gone. And I believe it's only a a matter of time before something like that happens in our own backyard. Uh, At the same time, God does not want us to live in a constant state of fear or paranoia. Uh, In Matthew 10, Jesus sent his disciples on a mission and they knew they were going into a dangerous world, a hostile world. He told them, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves, therefore be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves. We live in a world in which we can't be too wise or too careful. Still, no matter how careful we are, life teaches us that sooner or later we are going to face adversity. We're going to face some storms in world. This life, of course, we know we, we are subject to natural disasters such as uh, hurricanes, earthquakes, tornadoes, tsunamis, wildfires, flooding, and, and so forth. You know, it seems that some parts of our country can't get a break. If it's not uh, such as California, if it's not flooding from torrential rainfall, it's wildfires or now, most recently, earthquakes. And uh, you know, it, it just uh, it just happens. You know, on and on. And storms are tough. No one is immune from the storms of life, and there are those storms that are more personal such as receiving from the doctor a diagnosis that you have a terminal disease, or to become a victim of a crime, abuse, or, or violence. Storms come in the way of job-related problems or family turmoil. Maybe the children are rebellious and getting into trouble. I hope not, but some of you might have Children or relatives that have struggled with, with drug addiction. And I don't mind telling you that my wife and I have, have weathered that storm. But God brought us through that storm and that's something I, I never want to go through again. And it's something I wouldn't wish on anyone. Storms come in the way of unemployment and financial crisis, the loss of a friend or family member. They come in the way of depression, anxiety, and a sense of hopelessness. Believers and unbelievers suffer from many of the same troubles and hardships of life. Uh, Through the years I've been in churches where people shared testimonies. And at times, I I heard some indicate that if you come to Christ, He will take all of your problems away. And I never knew what to make of that because it did not square with my reality. Nor is that biblical. I don't know of anywhere in the Bible where God promises us a problem free existence. Of course, if a person is born again, life should be different. Uh, you know, we, the Bible tells us if any person is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. And if things haven't changed for us, if we're not a new person, then we probably should question our salvation in the first place. But my point is, I've been a Christian for a long time. But God did not suddenly take all of my problems away. He didn't suddenly remove all of life's difficult uh, issues. I've had some menacing storms uh, along the way, just like many of you have, or are having. But God does promise this. He doesn't promise us a problem-free existence, but He promises to be with us in our problems. He promises to be with us in the storms. Uh, Psalm 46, The Lord is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging, surging he goes on to say, "Be still and know that I am God." Amen. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus said and he was talking to his disciples here. Uh, he says, "In this world, you will have trouble." But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. I am happy to know that when I walk out of this place today, no matter what I might face, I walk out of here with one who has overcome the world. And not only is God with us in our troubles, He gives us the faith to, to know that and to trust Him through the, the roughest, most dangerous storms of life, you're never alone. Jesus is in every storm. Amen. He will never leave you nor forsake you. And no one knew this better than his disciples. Uh, they get into a boat, as it says here, and make their way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee for some much needed solitude and rest. And we know from Mark's gospel, Mark and Luke record this same story. It was getting toward the end of the day. It was getting dark or already was dark. And as the waves gently rocked the boat, Jesus fell into a deep, peaceful sleep. All is quiet and calm on the Sea of Galilee, but that's about to change. In 1995, I was in Israel and visited the Sea of Galilee. And it is more of a lake, it's, though it's referred to as a sea. Some translations say it is a lake. It's a pear-shaped body of fresh water. It's about 13 miles long and 7 miles wide at the widest part. And though it's a lake, it is still a very dangerous body of water because it is situated in a basin surrounded by mountains. And cool air from the Mediterranean passes through those uh, mountains and it clashes with that hot, uh, humid air over the Sea of Galilee and you have what? You have a recipe for disaster. (laughs) Uh, Storms could suddenly come up without without warning. And that's exactly what happened here. Uh, The bottom falls out. Verse 24 says, Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake. Now, the word storm here, in the original language is the word seismos. It's the word from which we get seismograph. And a seismograph is an instrument that measures what? Earthquakes. So that tells you how violent this storm was. Imagine holding a a glass of water. Uh, Or half full of water. And just shaking it very vigorously. And watch what happens to that water in the glass. That's what was happening here on the Sea of Galilee. That's a picture of how ferocious these waves were. And suddenly the disciples are in the middle of this angry raging storm. Fighting for their lives. It's dark. The wind and the waves beat hard against the boat and water is coming in faster than they can bail it out. The, B- the Bible says the waves were coming over the boat. And it's not a big boat. It's a fishing boat. And the waves are tossing this boat about like a little fishing court on the water. And I can imagine the disciples look anxiously at one another. And could see the fear in each one's eyes. Because these some of these guys were what? They were experienced fishermen. They had been in storms before. And you can be sure, and I believe, they were doing everything under their power to get their boat under control and survive this ordeal. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. These disciples are what? They are men. And what do men typically do, or maybe I should say don't do? Well, when we're lost, some of us don't ask for directions. I remember my wife and two small children had moved to a new area, a new city, and uh, the first night there got turned around, got lost. And I just didn't want to stop and ask for directions. I was determined to find my way. And I did, about an hour and 45 minutes later. (laughs) I'm not making that up. That's That's a true story. And uh, some of you may have done uh, similar things. When when we're overwhelmed as men, we sometimes hesitate to ask for help. When we're wrong, sometimes we don't want to admit it. And of course, I'm speaking in general. Not all men, but a lot of us. And when we're hurting, we want to try to keep a stiff upper lip, you know, try to appear tough. When we make a mistake... We can find a way to justify it. When we are afraid, we want to appear courageous. Why do we do that? We're men. Psychologists even have a word for it, a term for it. They call it the man box. And something tells me that these disciples wanted to believe they could handle this storm on their own. Some of them made their living on the water. Fishing was no easy life. You're talking about long days and long nights, navigating boats and pulling in net loads full of fish. These men were in a profession that required strength, stamina, skill, and fortitude. And they took pride in that. They were also probably a bit rough around the edges. We know Peter was for sure rough around the edges. But regardless of how tough or courageous, these men are now up against something they had never faced before. They had been in and survived many storms, but suddenly they are in the middle of a storm. They realize they might not survive. And this story reminds us of just how human Jesus was. He was exhausted. During all this commotion, Jesus is sound asleep in the back of the boat. He was completely at peace. Not a care in the world. The wind and the waves pose no threat to him. Imagine flying in a plane. And suddenly the plane hits an unexpected storm front. The instrument panel has gone out. The engines are sputtering. The plane is veering out of control. It's going down. It's going to crash. And while all this is going on, the captain is in the pilot's seat taking a nap. That's a picture of what these disciples are going through. They see their lives flash before them. The story is told of a hardened old sea captain who was quite vocal about his atheism. And one night a storm, during a storm, he was washed overboard. And his men heard him crying out to God for help. When he was finally rescued, one of the men said, Captain, I thought you didn't believe in God. He he replied, Well, if there isn't a God, there should be one in times like this. You see... Many people turn to the Lord when they're in a tight spot. When they've exhausted all other efforts and options. When in fact, the Lord is the very first place we should go with our problems and our hardships. And despite their efforts, the disciples reached the point where they realized they could not save themselves. They give up their battle with this storm and do the only thing they can do, they cry out to Jesus. And no matter how strong, no matter how independent or self-sufficient we may think we are, things happen in life that we simply cannot handle on our own. Storms come that Are beyond our ability to manage. And wisdom is asking for help. One of my favorite Bible verses is 1 Peter 5 7. It says, Cast all your cares, not some of them, all your cares on him, because he what? He cares for you. And the disciples stop trusting in their abilities. They stop trusting in their skills and strength. They give up any sense of independence and self-sufficiency and put their lives in the hands of Jesus. And sometimes God will do that. Sometimes God will bring us to a point of desperation to get our attention. Whether it's the loss of a job, the loss of health, financial crisis, family troubles, or whatever the storm, God may sooner or later bring us to a point of despair to teach us that apart from Him, we can do absolutely nothing. Acts 17.28 reminds us, For in Him we live and move and have our being. We don't take our next breath apart from God. We don't take our next step apart from Him. Uh, Jesus said in John 15, 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Amen. Period. And the disciples have run out of human solutions and out of fear for their lives, they wait Jesus They say, Lord, save us. We are going to drown. They've already resigned themselves to the fact that they're going to die if something doesn't happen and happen fast. And we might expect Jesus to immediately jump up and calm the storm. But He doesn't. These disciples are scared to death. They want all of this to be over. And Jesus is doing what? He's lying in the back of the boat. And still, while lying down, he teaches them a lesson on faith. And I'm thinking the disciples must say, Lord, can't we discuss our faith later? Like after the after the storm is over. But they're not in control. Jesus is in control of the situation. Even while lying down, even while he was sleeping, Jesus was in control. And no matter what we go through in life, God is in control. Nothing happens to you unless God causes it or allows it. And He says to them, You of little faith... Why are you so afraid? The disciples had seen Jesus heal people. They had seen Him perform miracles, cast out demons, and uh, He had saved others. Should they not have had the faith by this point to know He would not let them perish in a storm? But the thing I like about the disciples, the thing that encourages me about them, is that though they had little faith, at least they had faith. And little faith is better than no faith at all. They exercised what faith they had, and they exercised it in the right place in Jesus Christ. Now, here this morning, we have a congregation full of people, and every one of us is in a different place in our faith. I mean, that's just reality. But regardless of where we are in our faith, whether it's little faith, some faith, medium faith, large faith, God does not want us to stay where we are in our faith. He wants us to grow become strong in our faith. And Jesus would take their little faith, And build larger faith as time goes on. And so it is with us. When the storms of life come, faith is believing in the promises of God that He will never leave us or forsake us. Faith is believing that you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Philippians 4.13 Faith is believing that no matter what happens... God is working out His purposes in your life. Amen. Romans 8, 28. Yes. Faith is believing that God is bigger than any storm. Amen. And no storm is beyond His control. Amen. Bible says in verse 26, <clears throat> Then He got up. He arose. See, this is when He gets up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Now, completely calm tells me there was no sign of the storm. There wasn't even as much as a little ripple in in the water. All was peaceful. And the disciples were amazed. It's as if they were surprised and shocked by what had just happened. Why were they so amazed? The only thing I can figure out is... That maybe they expected Jesus to save them by getting their boat ashore or maybe by helping them bail out water or whatever it was. I don't know. But I know Jesus doesn't simply get their boat under control. He does what? He gets the storm under control. He gets the winds and the waves uh, to obey Him. He commands them to stop And they stop, and the disciples are so amazed, so awed by this. They ask, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Well, they answer their own question. What kind of man is he? He's the kind of man that the winds and the waves obey Him. That's the kind of man He is. He's the Lord of the universe. He is the Lord of nature and of life. All power, authority, majesty, and dominion are His. Jesus is the kind of man with which nothing is impossible. We need to remember that church, <clears throat> when it seems all hope is gone, when everything is useless, that we serve a Lord with whom nothing is impossible. Amen. Jesus is Lord of everything, even over death. Often we think of death as the worst thing that can happen to us. Death's not the worst thing that can happen to to any of us. We all die sooner or later. That's that's a given. It's appointed unto man once to die. The worst thing that can happen to anyone is to die without Jesus. Amen. Without Christ in your heart as your Lord and Savior. Now what if things had turned out differently that day on the Sea of Galilee? What if the disciples had perished? Would that have meant that Jesus was unloving? Uncaring? Would it have meant that He didn't have control over the wind and the waves? No. It meant they would have gone to heaven if they had perished in the storm. And what's better than heaven? I'll tell you. Nothing. Nothing is better than heaven to spend our eternity in the presence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nothing is better than that. Paul suffered the threat of death many times, but he never wavered in his faith. He talks of one instance in 2 Corinthians, uh, the first chapter. He says, We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, our hearts, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. Paul was staring death in the face, and he goes on to say, but this happened, <clears throat> that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who does what? Who raises the dead. Bible tells us, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he dies, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will what? Will never, never die. On another occasion, Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He could have gone either way. It was good for him to stay and serve the church Uh, to evangelize, but he says that the Lord, you know, chooses to take me, uh, to die is gain. To die is to be in the presence of the Lord. The first uh, few centuries of the Christian church, many of the servants, followers of Jesus, were known for their courageous faith. The, The records of the martyrs show that, that many, including Jesus' own disciples, uh, followed him and served him to the very point of, of death. And in about the third century, there was a young Christian woman by the name of Perpetua. She was 22 years old, and she was thrown into prison because of her faith in Jesus Christ Christ. She, uh, she had an infant son that she nursed from her jail cell. And her father begged her to denounce Christ. Her father begged her to denounce her faith in Jesus. And she refused time and time again. And as she was being led out to the Colosseum to be put to death, Her last words were to her brother who was also a Christian. She said to her brother, stand, stand in the faith. What courage, what faith of a young 22-year-old mother. We never know what we're going to face in this life. But whatever the storm, even death, sickness, as believers, we don't face it without Jesus. In your next storm, I want you to remember Paul's words in Romans 8. He said, Who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger... That is in Christ Jesus, Amen. our Lord. Amen. Is there a storm raging in your heart today? Is there a difficulty, a, a hardship, just something that you can't seem to uh, wrap your mind around and just uh, just leading you to a sense of despair and hopelessness? Put it in the hands of Jesus. I had rather be in the most violent, most powerful storm and have Jesus in my boat than to be anywhere else in the world without Him. If you have Jesus, the storms of life may rock your boat, but the storms of life will not sink your boat. They can't. They can't destroy you. Jesus says nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If you don't have Jesus in your life today, whoever you are, I pray that God would open your eyes, open your heart to your need of a Savior my prayer is that he would bring you into a saving relationship with his son jesus christ let's bow our heads in prayer <clears throat> father you know your people you know you know their lives you know what each person is going through Uh, This morning, you know, the struggles, you know, the battles, Lord, that we all face. God, we thank you for your great promises, Lord, that you love us, that you will never leave us or forsake us. God, don't ever let us forget that. And Lord, if there is one here who doesn't know you, I pray, Lord, that you would touch their hearts. Lord, help them to see that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and our sin separates us from You. Our sin disrupts the relationship with You that You want us to have. Our sin offends You. Our sin offends Your righteousness and, and Your holiness. But God, You haven't left us Without hope, you've sent your Son, Jesus, to die for our sins, to pay the penalty that we deserve. Lord, we thank you for sending Jesus to stand in our place, to take upon himself the sins of the world. We thank you, God, for raising him from the dead, giving him victory over death, over evil sin, and God allowing us the opportunity to be a part of that victory today yes, by knowing Jesus. God, there might be others here who know they aren't where they need to be in their relationship with You. Lord, maybe some have strayed and done things and know they shouldn't have done or left undone things and know they should have done. Lord, we've, we've all sinned. We, we confess our sins. And we pray that you would have mercy on us. Have mercy on our souls, God, and forgive us of our failures. Forgive us of our transgressions. Forgive us of our indifference, Lord, and our, sometimes our carelessness about serving you. God, thank you for loving us, Thank You for giving all You could give Your only Son. You held back nothing, but gave Your Son to shed every drop of His blood and every ounce of His dignity for our salvation. We praise You, Lord, and we thank You in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: We hope you've enjoyed the message today. And if you happen to not have a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, we want to invite you to know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. It's as simple as the ABCs. If you would admit that you are a sinner and that you are in need of a Savior and believe that God sent His very Son, Jesus Christ, to come to this earth to be the sacrifice for our sins and that He died for our sins and He arose on the third day, And then if you would confess Him as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. You must believe this with all your heart. and You must be willing to serve Him. If you are, all you have to do is talk with Jesus. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a church to get saved. But if you get saved, find yourself a Bible-believing church. And I believe God will richly bless you.